Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Within the Lines would not be possible without Anchor by Spotify. It is the easiest way to make a podcast and has been how we have made our podcast for over two years now. Anchor has everything we could need to make a podcast. And if you were thinking about starting your own podcast, you definitely should take advantage of their resources. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. We have fancy mics. You don't need a fancy mic to use Anchor. When hosting on Anchor, you can even distribute your podcast to listening platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Wherever you want to listen to your podcast, Anchor does that work for you. You think me and Tyler are smart enough to figure this stuff out by ourselves? Absolutely not. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And of course, the best part, because me and Tyler are cheapies, Anchor is totally free. Anchor's been great for us. It's been what we have been using. Um, We highly, highly recommend it. And if you were thinking about making a podcast yourself, we encourage you to download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Let's get back to the pod. Welcome back to another episode of Within the Lines. You're going to scare people. Coming at you on April 3rd, 2020. Today is the day. It is the finale. The March Madness Tournament that everyone was listening to because there was no real March Madness Tournament. March Movie Madness. The final four. Four of the greatest movies of all time determined by Within the Lines. Going up to head. Head to head. Movie rating scale. Which movie is going to be the greatest of all time, Tyler? I don't know. This is basically like the Oscars, but forever, not just one year. That's all we got coming at you today. So you're going to be enlightened today. You're going to learn the best movie of all time. It's like a class. Let's get into the show. I don't feel so good. You can put it on the board, yes! Okay, Tyler, when we started this four weeks ago, we had 64 movies, 16 comedies, 16 superhero movies, 16 animations, and 16 wild cards. It's a big-ass bracket. Now there's only four. Got it. Narrowed down. Best comedy. Best comic book. Best animated. Best other. In order of when they appeared on the podcast. Winning the best comedy, Anchorman. What a surprise there. Ooh. Winning the best superhero movie, Avengers 
Infinity War. Oof. Maybe didn't expect that one. Probably did, though. If you listen, you probably did. <laughs> Best animation, Wally. Great movie. Wally. Fantastic. I haven't seen it in a while, and we gave it the best thing, and I rewatched it this week. Absolutely deserved it. Oh, yes, it did. I rewatched it as well. No, you didn't. You didn't rewatch any of these. And the wild card. Recent Oscar nominee, but not winner, 1917. War movie. One shot. Pretty good war movie, as you could tell. Won the wild card, bra- wild card uh, bracket. So how we're going to do this, we uh, are patent pending movie rating scale. Five categories. Plot slash story. Visual slash cinematography. Key elements. Characters. And enjoyment. We ranked each movie on a scale from 1 to 20 in each category. So they're not going head to head. It is just a four team, a fatal four way. Mm. We ranked them before the podcast and we're going to bring be bringing you, bringing them to you in order. Four, three, two, and then finally one will be the last movie we talk about. So who got left off the podium, Ty? <sighs> the only one that didn't get uh, a medal. We give them like, <laughs> give them like tin foil. Yeah. Tin foil award. Yeah. A um, little bit of a shocker here. Anchorman. Anchorman coming in fourth. Now, best comedy. By voted on by us. Yes. <laughs> so it's a fantastic movie. Let's talk about it a little bit, and uh, we'll talk about what score it got. All right. I almost said the score. No, nope, let's not say the score yet. <laughs> yeah, I would have had to bleep it out because I'm not restarting the podcast. <laughs> so for plot slash story, uh, I gave it a 16. And I believe this is where our biggest difference was. I gave it an 18, Tyler. Mm, okay. Why did you give it such a high score compared to me, Jay? So I was originally, I originally had it at a 17. One higher than you. Okay. And I was just thinking about Anchorman, and I was thinking about what it was. And yeah, I guess you could say the plot itself could leave more to, more to be desired. Kind of just like a typical redemption story. You know, Ron Burgundy, he's on top, loses you know his, his status, loses it to a woman, so it's also woman empowerment. So don't forget that, Tyler. No, I, I remember that. And then he comes back. Comes back strong. He gets that, you know, that that top of the mountain place with Veronica Corningstone. Great story. And the reason I rated it higher is because this is a movie that was made to show how funny Will Ferrell and Adam McKay can be. And it didn't really matter what the story was, as long as they could do a story that was competent enough, you know, to actually like string along. Like, I don't know if we talked about it in the pod, but we've definitely talked about it before, how the original Anchorman, one of them came out and said it was originally going to be them getting stranded on an island. It was like in the mountains. With, yeah, with like ninjas with throwing stars. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that just shows they were just trying to flex their funny muscles. It's an improv movie. You know, it's a say funny things and re- reshoot it, see whatever sticks the best. And the fact that they got a competent story out of it that somewhat makes sense out of it is just brilliant to me. So... I don't disagree with anything you're saying, but I just gave it, I look at it differently. I kind of put that more in the key elements category where it kind of didn't matter what the story was. It was how they did their comedy within that story. Okay. So just the flat out story alone, it's it's kind of a redemptive story and a rom-com all built in one. Yeah. Where he meets this chick, they start dating, there's an issue, they break up. And then he gets back with her at the end. Oh, I've never thought of Anchorman as a rom-com. It absolutely is a rom-com that story. That kind of ruffles my feathers. I don't like but that. But when you look at it, <laughs> the rom-com basis is you they meet a chick. You know, oh, they're all happy. They're all together. They Something happens. They get in a fight. They no longer are together. And then there's the very end where they finally fix everything. I don't like that. Absolutely part. is a rom-com. 
You just ruffled my feathers, dude. But it also has the redemptive plot in it where it's Ron Burgundy's at the top of his game, and then he has that, that fall from grace. And uh, then he bounces back to be the greatest anchor on television. It's a good story. Um, 16 still a good so- score. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, it is. I just want to read an article by uh, Molly Lambert of Grantland.com. Grantland was pretty much the uh, ringer before the ringer. It was launched by Bill Simmons. It was part of Anchor- It was part of uh, ESPN. Okay. Article titled, The True Best Romantic Comedy of the Last Decade, Anchorman. Mm. It's a rom-com. The more, because I sat down and I was thinking about this. And I was like, it absolutely has all of the things for a rom-com. Now, it is very loosely a rom-com, but <laughs> we're just looking at guidelines here. Yes, Anchorman, the legend Ron Burgundy, is the greatest romantic comedy in the last 10 years. The cartoonish Ron Burgundy and Veronica Corningstone are more like are more real than any of the pseudo-naturalistic characters in other rom-coms like Notting Hill or The Proposal, both of which end up being just as ridiculously broad. The characters of Anchorman are incredibly fleshed out, even if they don't exactly resemble humans in life, they ping deeply with how we actually feel inside. Who among us hasn't been trapped in a glass case of emotion at one time or another? Absolutely. Wow. It's beautiful. This is a... I don't know how to feel about that. If we had a rom-com category, it would also win. (laughs) I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> I view Anchorman in a completely new light now. A different comedy win. You Step Brothers guy now. <laughs> <laughs> Is Talladega Nights a rom com? Uh, I mean, he gets he gets some ass at the end there and making animal noise on the table, but I don't want to say rom com. <laughs> um, moving on though, visual cinematography, Jay. What'd you give it? I gave it a. Let me go back to my document real quick. A fifteen. All right, I give it a fourteen. So we're right about the same. Yeah. Um, I liked the feel that they created. This movie was made in the early 2000s. And mm-hmm. uh, it felt like they were back in, like, what, the 70s when this takes place? <clears throat> yeah, I believe so. 60s, 70s. Yeah, it feels like they went back in time. And I like that they kind of made that little bit of a period piece aspect to it. Yeah. Where it doesn't feel like they're just, you know, like the new studio and everything, the way they dress and the party that he goes to. Everything feels like it was a little yeah. older. Um, I think some of the shots are good, but if we're being real, none of the visuals blow me away in Anchorman. It's not well, a visual I mean, movie. The, the Fight most, scene. Yeah, well, the most telling scene <laughs> of uh, that shows how bad the visuals were was when he kicks Baxter, when the biker kicks Baxter off the bridge, and it's Jack literally, Black. yeah, it's, oh yeah, that's right, that is Jack Black. <laughs> oh my goodness, and it's literally a stuffed animal, <laughs> like very yes. obviously, and I mean that could be done for comedic purpose, but at the same time, it was also done, I think, for you know, so they didn't have, have to throw an animal. Off yeah, the <laughs> they didn't have CGI. Or any, they did not have a CGI budget for this. It's like Casa de Me Padre, where he gets attacked by a tiger. And it's just <laughs> a stuffed tiger he's thrown around on top of him. Um, yeah, but besides that, visually there wasn't anything. Nothing blows me away, but I think it does look good for it taking place in the past. Yeah. Um, you know, some it kind of looks grainy, and like the the fight scene is hilarious <laughs> the way that shot. Um, so yeah, fourteen it seems fair for me trying to think did anchorman 2 improve at all i mean they had the fight scene their fight scene yeah they definitely (laughs) utilized cgi and had a budget for that that fight scene so i mean brick had a freaking laser gun (laughs) but yeah i gave it a 15 so we're along the same uh same basis there all right uh key elements i gave it a 20 come on yeah it's comedy movie it's our favorite comedy it's a 20 this movie like you know like you said like i said it's just made to be funny and that's what it is (laughs) just 
stupid one-liner after stupid one-liner. You're not really going to get any deep comedy in this. Uh, so if that's kind of what you're going for, then you're not going to get that. But it's just the perfect movie to turn your brain off and just watch and laugh, which a lot of people need about it right about now. It's a great sit-down and just laugh. You can pick it up wherever throughout yeah. the film. Oh, yeah. You can just sit down and start laughing. Yeah. The flute, the jazz flute scene is hilarious. <laughs> just playing the flute in the bar. Um, the, you know, Afternoon Delight where they just randomly start singing in the office. It's hilarious. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know every word of that song because of this movie. Well, at least that part of the song. It's um, it's easily a 20 And just, I guess we'll talk about this in the next category. Characters. Also gave it a 20. Easily. Um. This movie is not going to be as funny if you don't get the right people to play the right things. Um, I think Adam McKay and Will Ferrell are still geniuses, so they would have made it funny. But, you know, you get the wrong people to play these things, and I don't think... It just wouldn't hit the same, you know? Steve Carell, like, being... It's the perfect Brick Tamlin. I can't imagine anyone else being Brick Tamlin, and maybe there is someone out there, but... I mean, Paul Rudd as Brian Fantana, like... It's perfect. It's just they're they're so great. You know they have a chemistry. Just the four uh, David whatever Koshner Koshner the guy who always gets forgotten out of the four. <laughs> uh, he's great in it. Uh, Christina Applegate she's great in it. You got some freaking big names that in, are in lesser roles. You got a uh, Seth Rogen right? Yeah, Seth Rogen. Am I getting the wrong name? What the fuck Seth Rogen doing this? He's the cameraman. Holy shit! I forgot he was the cameraman. Jack Black is in it. Jack like, Black just makes an appearance, and then um. Oh fuck me, Vince Vaughn. The fight scene. Uh, Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller. He's he's great in it. I mean, it's just you just get a bunch of hilarious little cameos. It's just yeah, they wonderfully done with the characters. Um, I don't know who's your favorite of the four Anchorman characters. I mean, but I mean, Ron Burgundy obviously gets most screen time <laughs> and everything. Besides that, Brian Fantana. Brian Fantana is great. I, I love think, I love Brian Fantana and the fucking sixty percent of the time it works every time. I think Brick would be it for me. I. I <laughs> I something about Brick, man. Maybe because it reminds me of Brandon, but I, I love the scene where um, he hired they hire on uh, Veronica Corningstone, and they're in the office, and Brick's like, "I hear their periods attract bears," <laughs> and Brian's like, "You hear that, Ed? Bears! Now you got the whole news team in, in danger." <laughs> this is fucking great. Oh man, I was blown away. So when did they start? I want to say. I just never realized that these things like inter like overlapped, but I want to say the office started filming right around the same time they were filming this. Mm, that right around because it released in March right. of two thousand five. Anchorman released in two thousand four. Yeah. And did they start filming? They probably got off of Anchorman and then went and started filming the office. Which is just crazy, man. It's just yeah, it doesn't say when it was filmed. It was premiered in March 2005. So, and then Anchorman came out what, like April 2004? The yes. July, July 9th, 2004. So, yeah, it's it that blew my that blew me away cuz you look at Michael Scott, and I don't know, it feels like when Steve Carell's Michael Scott, he's almost like established in that role, but I mean, you know, Brick was kind of his first big role at least that I know of that kind of put him on the map, so Yeah. But maybe it was The Office that put him on the map. I just don't view The Office as that old. Who's, yeah, that's fair. Who's better, uh, Michael or or Brick? I mean, jokes per minute, it's got to be Brick. <laughs> you just get a lot more time with Michael because there's so many fucking seasons. They should, Steve Carell should film that at his house. You know, he's got so much time on his hands. Just film like a Michael <laughs> Scott meeting Brick Tamlin. Just like, you know, Eddie Murphy it and have them meet each other. God. <laughs> An enjoyment, Tyler. I gave this a 17. No, you didn't. I didn't. It was a 20. 
Tyler gives almost everything a 20. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> In enjoyment. I'm a lot harsher. I've been known to give, you know, 16, 17, 18s, 19s. I gave this a 20. This is um, the very most enjoyable movie there is. You know, I, I, I just, no part of this movie I don't enjoy. There's no parts that really drag for me. Nope. There's, it's always, you know, it's funny. It's just, it's a delight, man. It's it's my favorite comedy. <laughs> I don't give out 20s. This might be my first 20. We've done an Anchorman movie scale before. Um, I don't know if I gave it a 20 then, but I'm sure I did. Maybe. Have you, do you know what our score was the first time we, we graded this? I do. What was it? The first time we graded it, when we weren't looking at other good movies, and we were just sitting down laughing, enjoying Anchorman, we gave it a combined 94. Okay. This time, we sat down, maybe analyzed a little bit more, came out to, I gave it a 90, you gave it a... 93. 91 and a half. I, yeah, we probably uh, gave uh, probably a higher score for visuals slash cinematography. This was one of the first movie scales we did. Yeah. Um, but in comparing it to other movies that are also in this final four, like you can't give it a higher rating than 15, and I gave it the higher of the two. Yeah, so. there's just no way. When you look at all the other movies and all the other movies we've reviewed before, uh, there's no way you can give it a higher score than, than yeah, that. Can't can't <laughs> lie to ourselves. But Anchorman coming in at fourth. I don't think anyone saw that coming. <sighs> I Would, will say, going and looking at all of our other movies we've, we've reviewed combined, uh, it beats every other movie still. Good. It's still top one for combined scores. Well, until we get to the next three. We got three more good ones, though. I just want to say, you know, when we started this four weeks ago, Riley said... Why are you guys even doing this? Everyone knows Anchorman's going to win the whole thing. This is why we're doing it, because mm. Anchorman didn't win. Upsets. Because <laughs> this is March Madness. <laughs> Coming in in third place, Tyler. Mm. I actually forgot, so I'm excited to hear. The release date of June 27th. Oh. 2008 is my guess, but I don't know yes. that. Wow, look at me. It's a movie that's near and dear to Tyler's heart. Very near and dear to my heart. It's the greatest animation movie of all time. It's Wally. Coming it's a in movie. with the bronze medal, Wally, third place. It's not bad. It, if it, you would have told me a, an animated movie was going to finish third when we did this bracket, I would have been blown away. Yeah, I probably would have been as well. I would have figured animated would have been the fourth one. But sitting down looking at that, these, I fucking love this movie. I thought it, I thought Wally was going to come last. I really did. Um, just being honest, though, I rewatched it. You didn't, but. <laughs> yes, I did. No, you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I did. It's a fantastic fucking movie, Jay. And you know what? Let's talk about that fantastic movie. Plot slash story. What'd you give it? I gave it a 17. Oh. Oh, okay. I gave it a 19. Really? Yeah, I liked it. Okay. Why'd you give it such a high score? I mean, all my plot slash stories were kind of high here. Um, I don't know. Maybe Wally could have been a little lower. <laughs> 19 is a little high. But look, it's just a story about two robots who love each other and they help out the human race. And every time I think about Wally, I just think about the whole dynamic of they don't talk for half of the movie and I'm still interested beyond belief. And yeah, that has to do with the characters, which we'll talk about then, but you have to write the movie a certain way to accomplish that, and I think they accomplish that perfectly. How else could I get uh could I believe that two robots who don't even communicate could fall in love, Ty? I don't know, man. I was blown away, Jason. About what? What's the girl's name in Wally? The robot? Yeah. Eve. Eva. Eve. 
One of the two. I've always thought it was Eva. It's one of the two. It's Eve. Like Adam and Eve. Like she's getting sent back to start the planet. Oh, I didn't think about that. I didn't either. I was like, oh my God. It's Eve. <laughs> I thought it was Eva this entire time. <laughs> Did you read that on uh, IMDb trivia? No. It, Eve I was just for Adam and there. Eve. And like it was like, some, I think one of the humans said like the Eve robot or something. I was like, oh, what the fuck? Yeah, it was, I said Eve the first time, then I said Eva, so I was right the first time. Why'd you only give it a 17, Ty? Now, you're saying only a 17, Jay. Well, that's good, but... 17's a good goddamn score. It is. It's. I'm not going to say... I'm not. I'm Zero spoilers. It's better than Anchorman. What'd you give Anchorman? 16. Okay. So, just looking at this, it is a good story. Um, For me, it's it slightly drags in the middle. Okay. I like the ending. I like the beginning a lot. With the two robots at the beginning, beginning with him and Eva or Eve, mm-hmm. <laughs> where they, you know, she shows up to the planet and all that shit. Mm-hmm. I love that part. Um, the middle for me drags a little and then the end picks back up. What part in the middle? Would you say the whole time they're on the ship or? No, not the whole time they're on the ship. Just kind While of they're when... on the ship before confronting the captain. Yeah. When he gets on the ship. And then, you know, there's like the protocol droids and they're cleaning and everything. And like, yeah. it kind of it just is filler. And it's cool and it's good stuff to see, but it does nothing to advance the plot or okay. story very much. Okay. Um, and you know, there's a nice little twist in it. Yeah. So I give it a little bit of love for that. Yeah. But you know, seventeen's a good score. I just it didn't do anything to push it above for me. Okay. But it's okay. a good score. Did you cry when you rewatched Wally? I got choked up. <laughs> hey, that's part of the plot and story. I thought Wally nearly dies. Yeah, I know. I forgot about that. He pretty much, like, he almost dies, and then he, like, gets reset, right? Yeah. Yeah. Fucking smashes him, and she has to go, and they go back to Earth, and when they go back to Earth, she goes, like, into his garage and, like, rebuilds him. And then he wakes up, and he doesn't know her. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? I don't remember this. (laughs) Yeah, dude. I was getting all sorts choked up. See, I don't need to rewatch the movies, because I remember everything. I didn't remember that. (laughs) All right. Visual slash cinematography. Cinematography, Ty. What'd you give it? I give it a 17. Mm, me too. Um, I mean, again, for its time, it was really good. And we talked about this when we talked about the animated movie. I want to say, I didn't fact check this. I should have. But the fire extinguisher scene in space, I think that was like the new thing that Pixar did. Because they had to figure out how to animate a non-gravity, you know, like a liquid that's not floating in gravity. And it kind of floated like that. So I think that was them flexing their muscles. And it's a lot of different pieces, too. It's not like a cloud of it like fire extinguisher yeah. it's individual pieces all moving individually yeah so i think that was like their one you know flex on what we could do thing besides that i don't think there was anything spectacular i mean for its time it was good i wouldn't say it was you know they had some cool scenes with wally on earth but besides that you know yeah, i think wally on earth um the you know just all the trash and everything and how gloomy it looks yeah i like how that was shot it's not bright and vibrant for a purpose yeah it's very brown and like you know like just feels like something bad happened yeah and just all of those shots and how that looked i think that looked good um there's a part where he's getting transported and he's out with like all the humans mm-hmm. on the ship and there's all the billboards and everything and all the yeah, different all shots colorful and and that, everything. Look, that looks awesome yeah um i like the shots in space and like him and eva flying around him with the extinguisher and her flying around in space and everything mm-hmm. uh, around the ship there's some things that look really good and especially for it being in 2008 it looks it still absolutely holds up yeah um, comparing it to Onward, the last movie we saw, I think the animation's even better than Onward, honestly. Yeah, but Onward definitely uh, was seemed like a step back for uh, 
for Pixar in terms of animation quality. Absolutely, it did. But it's not like Onward looked bad. Yeah. And I'm thinking Wally looked really good. You know, 2008, and here we are 12 years later, Pixar's releasing a movie that looks very similar to it. So why didn't you give it higher than the 17? Again, there's no inc- – so it's visuals and cinematography. I think the visuals and stuff looked good. Um, there's no incredible shots, you know, like pan shots with animation and stuff. Yeah. Um, looking – so, like, I'm watching the new Star Wars, the Clone Wars series. Mm-hmm. They're doing the last season. There's, like, action s- shots, but with – you know, it's animated. But it feels like a camera's panning through, like, a fucking battlefield and everything. Oh, that's cool. And you can do cool shots like that with animation. Yeah. There's really none of that in this. Yeah. Um, so, it you know, 17's a good score. I said it with plot and story. I said it with this. 17's a good score. <laughs> Is this – no, no, it's not. Never mind. What? Never mind. Ignore my point. Nope. I want to hear it. No. Please tell me. I was going to ask if this was the first Pixar movie with, like, people having a prominent role. No. Incredibles. Also, Finding Nemo has people. Also, Toy Story has people. But briefly, they don't have – they're not uh, – I guess, yeah. I don't know. I think there's a lot, actually. <laughs> I don't know, okay? Um, moving on from that, Jason, key elements. I gave it an 18. I gave it a 19. Okay. We discussed, we didn't really know what the key elements were, um, but we discussed, Tyler, what do you think the key elements are? So I did the relationship between Wally and mm-hmm. Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, I did... Just kind of them living in space and how they portrayed that with these people and the ease of life and yeah. everything up in space. Yeah. And how everything was delivered and how they didn't have to do anything in the video and the kids learning and like all the kids instead of being in walkers are in little floating things that yeah. look like walkers, but they're still being carried. Yeah. Um, the co-pilot, the mm-hmm. autopilot thing. Yep. Um, just that, how that interacted with the captain and how the captain was just completely incompetent. Yeah. And, like, you know, they were in space for so long, and they showed that, like, you know, he was out there. They kind of gave up on this. He didn't even know what the fuck Earth was, really. <laughs> like, he had to look it up and search and, like, watch all these videos and yeah. stuff. Um, just that. But mostly for me, it was the relationship between Wally and Eve. Yeah, it was that. Um, which, again, they did great. How else do you believe that two robots fell in love with uh, without talking to each other? Yep. Um, I also was looking at it, and, I mean, you brought it up pretty much with all the people, but it was kind of like a social commentary a little bit. Absolutely. Um, and it's funny to see how 12 years later it feels like we're going on that track. Um, I mean, right now, obviously, there's bigger circumstances, but before even what was going on right now, you know, everything's more and more stuff's getting automated. Life's getting easier for humans. You know, just people are becoming less and less talented at certain things and just you know yeah it was definitely a comment uh like a comment on society and it seems like we're trending we keep destroying our earth still like the whole thing was kind of a comment on you know human society and put together with a little bow on it as a children's movie and kind of like a you know a nice way to kind of show kids like hey if we don't take care of the earth this is what's going to happen you're gonna be fat and you're gonna live on a ship absolutely the planet's gonna be destroyed (laughs) and like even when they get back to earth like you know, he watched the captain watches all these videos and sees like farms and grass and the beaches. And he's like, this is so beautiful. We need to get back there. And then he lands and he's like, is this really what we did to it? Like, <laughs> yeah. it looks nothing like it used to. Yeah. It's very much a social commentary on that way. Yes, it is. In a, in a children's movie. Which is kind of like, I mean, I'm, I guess if you dig deep enough on any Pixar movie, you could probably pull out something like that. But like, is there really anything like that in any other Pixar movie? Everything else is, seems like this is also, you know, kind of like fantasy talk and everything. But everything else seemed, is more just kind of like, you know, yeah, there's, I mean, I guess, you know, there's there's lessons in other Pixar movies like Inside Out, you know, learning 
you could be happy and sad at the same time. Oh, definitely. Dealing with your emotions. and But I don't know. I feel like this is the only one that really comments on society as a whole. Oh, yeah. Excuse me. I mean, I'm sure if we broke down other movies, there's stuff in them. But this one, I think it's it's at the core of the movie, unlike other ones. I mean, Ratatouille, it's that anyone could cook except for uh, Linguini. Except for the main character. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess last week or two weeks ago, I kept calling him Luigi. I don't know if you were also calling him Luigi. I didn't say his name because I didn't know it. It's Linguini. That sounds better. Yeah. I kept saying it was Luigi. <laughs> Riley was upset it's with me. me. <laughs> <laughs> um, characters, Ty. For Wally, I gave it a 20. I gave it an 18. You might be surprised. I am surprised. Why'd you give it an 18? Uh, I thought Wally and Eve were both fantastic, as I've outlined multiple times. Um, I don't really love anyone else in this movie. I guess the the captain's fine, but, you know, besides Wally, Eve, and the captain, I mean, yeah, you have, like, the evil robot on the ship, but who else really is there? You know, I guess you have, like, that one drone that's, like, looking for him or whatever, but. So, I did, um, in terms of characters, Eve and Wally I love. Yeah. I love their relationship. I love Wally individually and then even Eve individually. Yeah. Um, I enjoy the captain character. The autopilot is really cool for me because it's like, it's basically the bad guy of the movie, but it's just following orders. Yeah. And it doesn't know any better. And it's kind of that, how they having to fight that where it's like, we got so automated where we told it one thing and now we want to change it and it's not letting us. Yeah. The, uh, the cockroach. Oh yeah. I forgot how adorable that thing is. And if we're giving <laughs> the the robots that don't talk, I'm absolutely counting the cockroach yeah, that doesn't no, talk in the character spot. The little cleaning droid. Yeah. That's, that's following around yeah, the entire time. That's what I was think, talking about, yeah. And just, you know, between the two main characters and then I think the supporting characters do just a good like a perfectly fine job on their own. I think everything comes together very nicely. Okay. Anything that's in this movie I enjoy. There's not a thing where I'm like, oh, they didn't need that, I didn't like that. Except that middle part where it dragged. Well, yeah, it dragged, but it's not like there's no <laughs> characters where I'm like, oh, whatever. There's I don't know. nothing like character that didn't work for me. All the characters worked for me. I, just, I feel like I was asking for a little bit more outside of Eve and Wally with the characters. They're okay. fantastic, but I don't know. Maybe it is because there's not really a villain, and the villain is kind of just a social commentary on the, us as people. Um, <laughs> I don't really know how else you would do a villain base other than the way they did it, though. Unless, like, the captain of the ship himself was, like, you know, not wanting to, to do it. Yeah, but I don't know. They did They did a good job. 18's a good score. I just feel like I could have had a little bit more pepper in my in my salad. Okay. I don't even like salad. Okay. That's fine. 18 is a good score. <laughs> Enjoyment. I gave it a 19. One point lower than Anchorman. 20. I fucking I, love this yeah, movie. Yeah, I saw it coming. <laughs> I thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this movie. This is a movie you sit down and it warms your hot heart, and it's funny and entertaining, and it's got a pretty good little story to it. Yeah. And it's just this romance between these robots and then the humans at the core of it. Yeah. Um, you just sit down and enjoy this movie. Get and a little, get a little heartwarming sadness at the end before it makes you happy again. And it was released on your 10th birthday. Mm. Mostly that. Can you believe that it's been longer since Wally's been out than it was from the time you were born to when it came out? Yes, because the movie feels really old. It doesn't to me. I don't know why. Yeah, it feels very old. Which is why I'm glad it looks so good watching it, because it does feel like a very old movie to it me. It doesn't. Anything released after, like, 2000, 2008 and on, I feel like just happened. <laughs> <laughs> that's me for 12. I'm, like, yeah. four years after that. 2012, I was like, oh, that was a couple years ago. Yes. <laughs> Dude, 2012 was eight years ago. Yep. 
It's wild. And before you know it, it's going to be 2028, and we're all going to be looking back at 2020 like, dang, remember when we all, all almost died? Yeah, all 13 of us that are left. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so my final score for Wally was a 92. Also a 92. Giving it a 92. <laughs> so that came in um, third place, Ty. Half a point better than Anchorman. I will say, so far, if you look at it, I did rank Anchorman one point higher than Wally, which I think is about right for me personally. You rank, you gave it a 93? Yeah, because Anchorman had a 93 for me and a 90, 90 for you. Yeah. Okay. So I was the reason Anchorman was last, which is fine. I think there's, that's a battle within myself between Step Brothers, Anchorman, and Talladega Nights. <laughs> oh, man. I, th- I feel like this is a proper place for both of these movies. I'm half fine a, with it. Half a point apart. Yeah. All right. Moving on, though, because the next movie we announced, Jason, is going to announce the winner. So what is the best movie of all time, Ty? Is it Avengers Affinity War came out 2018 or 17? 18. 18. We were hyped for it. Our po- This movie kind of birthed the podcast. Did we have our- We didn't have our podcast with Infinity War, huh? We started it in oh. January. Maybe not. Yeah, we started it in January. Yeah, like after it came out. We pretty much started the podcast to hype up Endgame. Just think, Ty, how much a year changes. A year ago, at this time, we were like just, you know, hyping up Endgame. Couldn't wait for it to come out. Time couldn't move any slower. And now we're kind of in the exact same boat where time couldn't move any slower, but for a completely different reason. It's very true. Yeah, our first our first MCU review we did was Captain Marvel. Yeah. That's wild. So we haven't really even talked. We ha- I mean, we have talked about Infinity War. We've done, <laughs> talked about it a lot. We've done top Marvel movies, top movies of the decade, so on and so forth. Um, this is our first time doing a scale on it. This is interesting. I have something to comment about on this episode after the podcast, Ty. I don't want to say it to our listeners. Okay. But what came in second place? Second place, Jason. 1917 1917 which means the winner infinity war but we will talk about that later right now we are talking about 1917 a war movie about two war people i don't know (laughs) there i don't know like if they were lieutenants or commanders or what they were delivering a message to they were english delivering a message to a different fleet not to attack the germans because the germans were treated but it was just a trap if they attacked the germans they were all going to die and it was an emotional roller coaster of them going from one barracks to another barracks overcoming odds going through dangerous places and losing a friend in the process spoiler alert plot slash story tie plot slash story uh actually tied for anchorman 16 i gave it a 17 I don't think that's the best part of this movie. I don't. And we talked about, when we talked about 1917 last week, um, you know, the plot isn't really what fuels this movie. It's kind of just one of many war stories, which is crazy to think that this epic, you know, emotional journey is just one of many things that actually happen in real life. Yeah, it's probably dramatized, you know, for cinematic effect. Yeah, absolutely. But this, you know, it's not, there's not some big overlapping story. There's not some big overlapping enemy. It's just kind of like this small story. And yeah, they limited themselves in terms of getting points on our movie scale, (laughs) which I'm sure they were definitely thinking about, (laughs) but it, 
they I don't think they could have done the other things they did in this movie so successful if they would have tried to do a bigger story. So I think it was a necessary sacrifice that they made. Absolutely. Me and you, we talked about this movie um, when it won that part of the bracket. Yeah. And I, I was raving about it, that that was my favorite. I loved that they did that. Yeah. That it was such a small story. But when you look at it, <laughs> the rest of the movie is great because of the plot not being that incredibly complex or amazing. Yeah. And that's why I still gave it a 16, which is a really good score, because that is necessary for that movie. Yeah. Um, so, yes, it isn't a lot. Yes, there isn't a lot of ups and downs and holy shit, but it is what it is for a reason. Yeah. And I think 16 is a pretty proper score for that. I gave it 17. I think I did gave it just a, t- a tiny bit more credit just from how small the story was and what they did with it, everything else, which leads us into visual slash cinema- cinematography. I gave it a 20. If I could have gave this a 25, I would have. <laughs> it's an absolute 20 for me. Uh, just great shot after great shot. The lighting in this well, is phenomenal. It's just, you said well, it right. Great shot after great shot. End. There's <laughs> two shots. <laughs> um, you know, the thing I keep thinking about in this movie, the one scene in particular, well, it's multiple scenes. You know, it's after, it's when he's by himself and after he kind of gets knocked out in that house, you know, and he's running across you know that deserted town and there's just flares going off over and over and then he goes to the one part and there's like giant flames and it's just a silhouette walking in the flames then you have the part where he's running and then he goes in the girl's little like hideout house and that's all dark and gloomy and then you know he fights that one guy and he kills that one guy the drunk you know german or whatever he came across yeah just that that whole sequence right there that whole you know the the darkness of all that and how they filmed it was just excellent to me it's incredible it looks so fucking amazing um all of that is incredible. I love the, the scenes where they're in the trenches mm-hmm. and literally just walking through the tran- trenches and how it's shot and how there's so many fucking extras on this movie. I don't know how they made it, <laughs> but just so many people and what it, I feel like that's the chaos of what it would actually have yeah. been like to be in war at that Do time. Do you think they reused any extras? Oh, fuck yeah. Without noticing. <laughs> you know how, I mean, you know how many people they had to have fucking had on set for those yeah. shots? How much do you think they pay him? Like five hundred bucks I'm, for a day of work or something? It's yeah, it's got to be decent money, but nothing incredible. I don't know where this was shot. Do you know where this was shot at? No, but I can find out on Google. Where was I? Because they would have had to have gotten all of these people. It was in Wiltshire, set. Hankley Common in Surrey, in Govan, Scotland, as well as Shepperton Studios. Because there's so Scotland. Okay, so I there's just some of these shots are fucking. And Shepperton Studios is in the UK. All right. Um, but yeah, dude, just the trench scenes, the way that like the town on fire and everything. Um, I, I fucking love that last shot where he's got to get to the messenger and it's too fucking much in front of him. So he goes out mm-hmm. above the trenches and runs and it's just everything exploding and everybody running in front of him. And, you know, there's a couple of times where he runs into people. Yeah. What wasn't supposed to happen. But it's one shot, and he fucking they made it work, and it makes it feel so much more realistic. Yeah, where it's he fucking runs in, and he just gets up and doesn't even fucking phase him because he has to keep going. Um, I think so much of this is incredible. The scene in the river where he's trying to fucking just not drown. Yeah, he falls off the fucking waterfall, and he's got to climb all over all the dead the bodies. White dead bodies. They look like Palpatine. Um, this this movie is the hardest twenty for visuals and cinematography I can possibly give. Well, it's it's a. Uh... It's also like it's kind of it's like every location is like it's like a different color grade and that's another thing I thought of too. It's just like 
usually when you get when you have movies, you know, they kind of stick to one color color grade, one color scale, whatever. Everything in this movie is different. You have like the trench scenes, you know, it's kind of like a like a brownish color grade. And then, you know, you have them crossing. That's still kind of the brownish category. Then they get into the German barracks and it's kind of like a light tannish, you know, color. And then they have the the part where they're walking across the grass and it's all green, you know, and they Very have that whole bright scene. And beautiful and and then you have, you know, the part where he gets knocked out with all the lights and the flares and the flames. And then you have the part it's after very that. red and dark. and Yeah, and then you have the part after that where he's kind of floating down the river and it's kind of like gray. It's kind of just like murky, you know. It's just they did a really good job of a uh, – and it kind of like – I don't know if this is intentional. This might just me be, me, be me overanalyzing. But it's kind of like – kind of coincides with the emotion of the movie. The most beautiful part of the movie is probably the most – happy part of the movie they're never really happy but you have the part with the two guys you know walking through the cherry blossoms you know they're really getting along and then boom you know death strikes and whatever and then from there it's just all darkness and gloom and well even even when the plane crashes like the barn and everything that's actually a very vibrant cool looking scene with all the grass and everything right before the fucking guy dies yeah (laughs) and it's very much it's the one time that it's like picks up and then immediately turns around it's one of the worst parts of the movie yeah it's crazy Great visuals, great cinematography, a lot of attention to detail. And we didn't even mention, you know, it's it's one shot. It's filmed to look like one long scene. It does have one cut in it. I mean, obviously, there's cuts that they worked into it, but there's one cut in it when he passes out and it goes black for five seconds. That was obvious. That was it wasn't even I mean, it was kind of an excuse to cut, but it also didn't feel forced like we talked about in Birdman where it was forced. Yeah, it coincided with the story. Just how they did that, you mentioned it. I was thinking it last week. You took the the words away from me. It was like a video game campaign. Absolutely. You are with this character, and you see him through this area of the map, through this area of the map, through this mission, through this mission, going through the bunkers, going across this big open area. Yeah. All of it. You're with him, and it just continues and continues going through the town. Yeah. You know, there's the scenes where he's hiding through the town and then you just you meet this side character where it's this woman and this child yeah. and he helps take care of him, gives up all of his fucking resources for him. Yeah. And then he just keeps on going. He's like, I have to fucking go. What time is it? Like, yeah, it's just nonstop. That's incredible. It truly is incredible. Key elements, Ty. So for me, it was the feeling of the war. Yeah. The anxiety, the edge of your seat through the trenches, the yep, urgency. I agree. Um, it was a 20. I gave it a 19. I don't really know why I didn't give it a perfect 20, but I gave it a 19. Okay. <laughs> For me, that's it was the war and the the anxiety-inducing elements of it mm-hmm. and just all of that and feeling like you know, there could be no one else around and it feels like they're in a fucking rush and they have to go no matter yeah. what. Um, it's incredible. Yeah, I, like like I said, I don't really know. I don't have a reason why I gave it a 19. I kind of just did. That's fair. <laughs> I mean, Sometimes <laughs> to give it a 20, it's got to just do something to wow you. Maybe it didn't completely wow you. <laughs> it completely wowed me. Yeah. I mean, you hit it on the head. I don't really have anything else to add in terms of key elements. It was just, yeah, that uneasiness, just the whole war feel. We both said we don't like war movies, and this was completely different, but still had that war feel. Just like you said, the anxiety of it. Um, it was just great, man. Incredible. Characters. This is the the um, the part that lacked the most for me. I gave it a 17. I also gave it a 17. Oh. Jason, what were the two main characters' names? I don't know. I don't either. I, I don't know. I've watched it much more recently than you. <laughs> I think, again, the characters, I didn't, they didn't blow me away. I think the acting was really good. The characters themselves, it was more about the story rather than the people. Yeah. And that was intentional. 
Yeah. It's a small part of war. It was about the overarching thing told through the just the lens of these two people doing two one Two ordinary mission. guys, yeah. It was definitely intentional, too, you know. Yeah, and so it didn't blow me away. I don't love these characters. It could have been – you could have replaced these characters with so many other people, and the story still would have felt the same and incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it's just – I think, you know, the best part, I think – and I understand why they did it, and it definitely gave a shock to the movie and definitely added a new dynamic. And maybe the movie overall wouldn't have been as good if they didn't do this, but I feel like if they would have kept the two characters together longer, I could have gave it a higher score because they really had something going, you know, with that kind of brotherly aspect. Um, but, you know, they made the right thing of having one of killing one of them off because it just kind of just when you think things are going good in the movie, you know, they're they're making progress. You know, they get through the one big explosion in the German mines and everything's OK, you know. Just when everything looks good and fine, they're going to get this done. You know, they it's a tragic reminder that any anything can happen in war. Absolutely. And, you know, that kind of took away from some of the character dynamic as the second half of the movie is just one guy. Um, and, yeah, he interacts with, you know, the woman and, you know, some side characters, Benedict Cumberbatch, but he didn't really do anything. You could have put any, you know, good actor in this. And maybe that's me not being ignorant and not uh, appreciating what the actor did, who I don't know his name. But I feel like... <laughs> He didn't do anything to take it above and beyond, but they didn't really need him to. Exactly. I think that was for a purpose. I think it was supposed to feel like these are two random people in the military doing a random mission in this random story. Yeah. And we're going to tell it in an incredible way. Yeah. Um, I do like the main character, the one who survives, not the one that dies. I liked, I, th- I found myself liking the one that died more. Really? Maybe that's why I felt a little bitter about him dying. I, maybe I, I think they were both good and i liked when they were both on screen and the dynamic they had mm-hmm. um but then you know as it moves on just the struggle of him not fucking wanting to give up no matter what yeah i think it was pretty fucking incredible yeah and then the scenes where the the people like he meets the uh, the people and he just sits down and you can see that exhaustion on his face yeah with the guy singing he's like oh wait there's another one and he gets up and starts fucking sprinting yeah like oh shit <laughs> um but, you know, I think they did a really good job with the story, but I don't think it was supposed to be an incredible award-winning performance. Yeah. Which, um, I mean, he didn't get nominated for anything in terms of acting. Yeah, I didn't. Mark Strong was in this. Mark Strong is the guy who played the bad guy in Shazam. I don't know who he played in this movie. Who's in it? Yeah. <laughs> I don't see him on the IDMB. I, I, uh, He's IMDb. on the Google. Huh. I looked up 1917 cast. He came up. Yeah, he's Captain Smith. Oh, he's the guy um, who gives him a ride in the truck. He's the captain. Oh, yeah. I didn't put those together. Yeah, it's the same guy. Forgot about him. Yeah, because his uh, performance in Captain Marvel was not that good. Or not Shazam. Captain Marvel. Shazam was not that good. <laughs> did they ever mention him? I completely off topic. Did they ever mention him as Captain Marvel in Shazam? No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. Just wondering. Enjoyment, Ty. Let me guess. You gave it a 20. I did. I gave it a 19. I For this movie being <laughs> terrible and something that is just gritty to fucking watch, I enjoyed it. I was fucking... I couldn't take my eyes off the screen. Yeah. It, it was a great movie. A 19 is a really good score for me. And I think the way it feels like a, like a fucking video game campaign is part of the reason why I enjoy it because it's on it's nonstop we're doing this we're doing this we're doing this we're doing this mm-hmm. you know one spot to the next and they just keep fucking going I think that that makes it very enjoyable it's really well paced yeah um what you said made me think of that you know it's really fast at some points but then it's kind of slows down in other points 
and it, they do a really good job of kind of slowing it down every time there's something really emotional. You know, you have the scene where he blows up and it's all high frantic, you know, and then you have the follow-up scene where they're walking through the cherry blossoms, you know, and it kind of slows down, eases you back in. And then one of them dies and they have a little bit cool down period where they're on the truck and then they have to push the truck out of the mud, just kind of rudimentary stuff. And, you know, and you have the scene where he's running from the, with all the flares firing off and then it transitions to the scene with the woman, you know, and it's kind of like more, they did a really good job of pacing the movie. Absolutely. And even after that scene where it slows down in the truck, immediately it picks right back up where he's getting shot at and he's having to cross the thing, you know, they do a really good job of pacing in this movie, which makes it super enjoyable to watch. Like a video game campaign. Absolutely. Those, the slow parts, that's like the cut scenes. hundred percent. So I gave it final score of a 92, the same as Wally tie. And I gave it a 93, one better. Giving it a 92 and a half. 92 and a half for second place. Half a point over Wally, one point over Anchorman. We're splitting hairs with these movies. Half a point, half a point, half a point. Anchorman may have came in last, but it was, you know, one impressive visual scene away from at least beating both Wally and 1917. Yeah, it easily could have been <laughs> second. But number one tie. Avengers Infinity War, Jason. I kind of feel like wrong for saying that it's the the within the lines greatest movie of all time um, because it's definitely a grandized superhero movie, which a lot of traditional people in Hollywood do not like. Martin Scorsese. So you say that now I you did not ponder this this bracket. You didn't watch these movies again. What? Again. You're being yes, a, I did. You did not. You did not rewatch these movies. I watched all four of these movies this week. I was watching YouTube videos, yeah, of breakdowns of the characters <laughs> in these movies in Anchorman, in Wally, in Infinity War. <laughs> I shit you not. I was looking at all this. Okay. I a million percent stand by Infinity War winning, and we'll get into it. But I fucking love this movie, and it is an incredible, incredible. I know film. you love this movie. It is an incredible film. But we I, both love it. We both gave it a good score. I don't care what anyone in fucking Hollywood has to say. This is an incredible film. <laughs> I like, I like that you still hold on to this Infinity War take because right when I think I'm losing you to film snob Tyler, Marvel Tyler comes no. back and snatches you back Again, away. I love 1917. We said it was great. It just came in second place to Infinity War. <laughs> Plot slash story. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. I don't either. What'd you give it? <coughs> oh. Uh-oh. Did you Easy hear now. that? He's an owl. Coronavirus? Um, <laughs> 19. I also gave it a 19. Um, You want to elaborate? So, we were just talking about 1917 and the pacing. Yeah. This movie is perfectly paced. Yeah. With the exception of the Thor. Building the hammer. Yeah. Um, it starts off and we're on, and I mean, it immediately fucking, you start the movie and you're jumped in. Yeah. Fucking ships wiped out and you have Thanos and it's this introduction to this badass fucking character. And then you get Hulk and they fucking fight Mm -hmm. and it's fucking action. And then that scene happens and he gets sent to earth and then he gets sent to earth and it's a little bit of dialogue breaking it down for the audience. And then we get action. Yeah. And then it goes from there and then we go to fucking space. Yeah. And you get the, you know. Guardians. I think you get Thanos in the opening scene, and then you don't see Thanos again until like a quarter to a third of the way through the movie. Yeah, um, which is the flashback scene, so you don't even see Thanos immediately. I think the next time you see him is when they see him when he takes the Reality Stone, I which think is that's his second appearance on camera. Which is well, that comes after the flashback scene of him and Gamora. Well, yeah, but that doesn't count. It's flashbacks. Yeah, 
And that's what I'm saying. So it just does such a perfect job of jumping around from this character to this character to this character. And, you know, the one ends and it perfectly leads into the other storyline. Yeah. And this has so many different storylines going on all at once. Mm-hmm. Um, you follow Thanos around the entire second, you know, two-thirds of the movie. Yeah. Um, but it still jumps around between all of our different heroes Which in an is incredible way. Which is how they had to do it. Yeah, they they saved, you know, the whole big fight with literally every single person to ever be in any movie until the end of Endgame, which was the smart thing to do. You don't want to, you know, they kind of gave us looking back, you know, after watching both movies, they gave us like a, a 75% team up on Wakanda and then like, I don't know, a 25% team up on Titan. And then, you know, gave us the full thing in Endgame finally, but they had to do that. They had to split everyone up into their own things. And I think they did it organically way. It didn't seem forced. No, no, it no. definitely is. Uh, it's easy to see that they meant to do that. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like they weren't trying to hide it, but they did a good job of making it not feel forced. Um, I gave it a 19 as well, just because that one Thor, that was the only one that did feel a little like we got to give Thor something to do. Yeah. And I mean, Um, again, that's, but it wasn't terrible. I still don't hate it. And even that slow part where he gets that new weapon Mm -hmm. is such a fucking payoff when he shows up in the final fight scene. And so it does, that is the one part that feels like it's all right, come on, fucking move on with it. Yeah. Is one of the highest points in the movie later on because of that. So I'm fine with that. I gave it a 19, not a perfect score. Infinity War has one of those moments where, like, you look back at movies. I don't know if you've ever done this. I did this more as a kid than I do now because I understand what movies are. But as a kid, I would watch a movie, like a superhero movie or something, and then I'd look back to something that happened at the beginning. You know, the the main character makes a mistake, and that's what leads to everything else. I'm like, if only they just didn't make that stupid mistake, none of this would have happened. You know, just Infinity War has one of those in this mo- in this movie, and it, it pisses me off every time I watch it, even though what happened after, and it's when – uh. Uh, Chris Pratt hits Thanos in the Absolutely. head with the gun. Um, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I just want to point out that as an adult, it still made me think like, what the hell is uh star Lord doing? Yeah. And I mean, it's, <laughs> it pissed me off. It made me so mad. <laughs> when you look at it, it's he, you know, it's this woman that he's fucking started to spend his life with who he fucking loves. He tried to kill her a few minutes ago because of a promise. Yeah. And then he gets there, and he's just fucking distraught. So it's understandable why he does it, but it's like, hey, dude, if you just don't fucking do that, <laughs> this none of the other shit would happen. Um, the other thing I kind of don't like about the plot story is I get why they did it. I 100% get it. Doctor Strange, oh, there's only one outcome. That's such a fucking – that's such a weak thing to do. <laughs> why? It's just like, oh, there's only one way. So it's like, oh, well, no matter what, we know he's doing the right thing. Yeah. It's like, you don't got to do all that. Just fucking do it. Yeah. Just fight. Yeah, I didn't like that, but again, it doesn't throw me off enough to where I drop it down even two points. It's still a nineteen out of twenty. Yeah, but that also got paid off in Endgame, hundred percent. In the future, you know, with Tony Stark, you know, he's got the the final gauntlet, and he's looking at um, Benedict Cumberbatch, and he's given the one. Yep. Do you ever notice how he kind of gives the one weirdly? He doesn't do like a full one. He's kind of like 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 that. Ever notice how he fucking destroyed his hands in the first movie, and he does all of his hand things weird? No. I guess I'm, I guess I don't. Maybe that's why he can't hold up one normally. <laughs> it's like even when he does like his sorcerer shit, like his fingers always look weird and shit. Oh, because he they completely reconstructed him. I feel like that's a very intentional reason, like thing they do. Well, now I feel like a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> um, visuals slash cinematography, Jay. I gave this an 18. Okay, what'd you give it? I gave it a 19. Um, I think this movie it had a bitch in scene in wakanda like we said that was like the 75 percent team up they did some really cool things with the 
um, Infinity Gauntlet, you know, with the Reality Stone in particular, how he used that. That was really cool. Um, besides those two things, I feel like they didn't really do – they had great – you know, nothing that was bad. But they didn't do anything else from any other Marvel movies to, like, differentiate itself. You know what I mean? Um, whereas, like, you look at, like, Spider-Man Far From Home. Far From Home, that's the second one. Yeah. Which is I would give a higher visual slash cinematography score to because of, you know, the what's-his-name scene. Why can't I think Mysterio. of people's names today? Mysterio scene, you know? It didn't have anything like that where after watching it, I was like, whoa. Where even in, in Endgame, there was kind of like the last fight scene, which was just really bitching and everything. Um, so, again, 18 is not a bad score in the slightest. But I feel like they, they intentionally kind of held held back from going complete 100%. Look what we could do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, For me, I love the Wakanda, Wakanda scene yeah. and the big fucking war scene and everyone's fighting and everything's going on and how that looks beautiful. Yeah. Um, but also you get a fight on a fucking alien planet. Yeah. The Battle of Titan, where he throws a moon at him and <laughs> yeah. everything. And I think the Doctor Strange fight between Doctor Strange and Thanos is incredible. Where it's like a fucking black hole, and then he turns it into butterflies, and then there's a fucking hundred Doctor Stranges, and I think a lot of that looks really good. Yeah. Um, I I think the fight on Titan. I think I wanted more of that, and I know they couldn't have gave me more than that because they had to advance other things in the movie. But I think that's why. And that's fine. I just think you have an incredible fucking huge battle that takes place on an alien planet that looks great. Um, I think the scenes of, you know, the flashback scenes with Gamora, I think all of that looks cool. How they kind of did like, it's a short scene, but just how it looks, that planet. Mm-hmm. Um, the scene in New York at the beginning where like the, the two people show up. Yeah. Um, I think that fight scene's pretty cool. And everything and how it works and then fucking, you know, all of a sudden Spider-Man shows up and comes and helps. I think with this, too, a lot of the fight scenes are fucking awesome. Yeah. And so, for me, I think it's a 19. It's not perfect. I will say the New York one was probably my least favorite. Really? That's probably the only part of the movie, which is funny because it's like minute, I don't know, 7 to minute 12. That, like, is still a little kind of, like, just whatever to me. I don't know why. See, I like it. I like how all the winds are blowing and it's chaos, and then Doctor Strange kind of stops that. And then they're standing there face-to-face. Yeah. And then they get just thrown all over the fucking town and shit. Yeah. Um, and so, for all of it, all of it works for me. Yeah. It's good stuff. I just thought about this right now because um, the children of Thanos... I mean, they weren't fully successful in New York, but they were kind of like, I mean, the one guy like pretty much effed up uh, Doctor Strange. Oh, fuck yeah. I don't Why did Thanos not just send his children to New York in the first Avengers instead of Loki? I feel like they're very more qual, very much more qualified than Loki. Who knows? I just thought of that right now. I don't know. I also forgot. I really enjoy the Vision and Wanda fight scenes. Mm, mm-hmm. I love that part of it, too. With the train where Captain America for shows up. For some reason, up. I yeah, I saw I saw a clip of that on Twitter the other day. Um, and for some reason, I was like, oh, I thought that was Endgame. Like, so part of my brain just thought that was Endgame for some reason. <laughs> so I was just thinking about it right now. I really like the that fight scene. Yeah. Um, I like how they get thrown around and then Wanda kind of does what she does. And then the other three show up and just fuck them up. Yeah. It's, it's cool shit. Um, so I give it a 19. Moving on, key elements here. What would you give it? 20. Key elements, just awesome Marvel badassery, 20 out of 20. I gave it a 19. Oh. Um, it is awesome Marvel badassery. The only thing that held it back is there's a lot of big fight scenes. Yeah. Um, when you look at maybe some of the Captain America movies, I think they have characters where they could have had these big fight scenes going on. And then you look at the Captain America movies where it's close-up, hand-to-hand combat. Yeah. There was none of that. 
everything was on a big scale. Well, the I get the Wanda fight scene with Captain America that was a little hand to hand, and that's why I liked it a lot. Yeah, and there's a little bit of that, but then all the other ones are very large, where you have a lot of different characters and stuff you can use, to where you could have had little small badass fight scenes like the 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 first woman team up where it's in this movie, not the Endgame one. Oh yeah, where Scarlett Johansson you know falls down and oh she's not alone, and then like all three of them fight. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, that's a cool little fucking scene because it's a smaller battle. Well, everything else is going on. Yeah. I would have liked a little bit more of that. I like the close-up and big shit. Well, they kind of gave a little bit more than that in the final endgame scene. Yeah, absolutely. Man, that final endgame scene. I know we're talking about Infinity War, but whew. It's the best part <laughs> of the movie. Um, no, I just gave it a 20. It was just I, they did a great job of including everyone. When I, The reason I first started liking Marvel movies, because I, I did not grow up a huge comic book fan. I did grow up a fan of Spider-Man and like the Hulk and stuff, watching the... Um, you know, like the animated Spider-Man show. I don't know what it was on. PBS or something. I'm <laughs> not <know>. PBS. <laughs> um, you know, watching the original Sam Raimi Spider-Mans, playing those games. You know, the original Hulk. Angly. I played that game. Um, yeah, the the really bad Hulk movie yep. that I loved as a kid. That's fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the thing that really drew me into the MCU being such a diehard fan was just the whole idea of everything just like a, a universe existing across multiple movies. And that's another reason why I was so dang excited for Morbius. Cause that was a, a new thing where they were crossing over Sony and Marvel. Absolutely. Another new dynamic to this, which, you know, two years ago you would have never thought would even be possible. Um, a few months ago when we didn't even think Spider-Man was in the MCU. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just, you know, they, they did all that. Everyone was included. It just, it interlapped, it interlapped perfectly. And it was just exactly what I would want out of an, an Avengers movie. And I think one thing we can't overlook, this movie's fucking funny. Yeah. Dave Batista is hilarious. Dude, Batista, man. I love all of his scenes. The <laughs> why is Gamora scene? The I'm standing so incredibly sealed. <laughs> <laughs> they can't see me. Um, he's fucking great. I love the Guardians and Thor when Thor shows up. Yeah. Like, You're not a dude. This is a dude. Or yeah. <laughs> the man angel. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there, it's re- very funny with all the scenes and shit yeah. while also being very serious and it, it can easily flow to where you're laughing and you're enjoying it and then you're still going on having a serious scene which I don't understand you know I know people even in my own life that I've had conversations with this about um, that don't like the comedic aspect of you know the Damn MCU you. I, I don't understand that I don't either I because think it, comic books are funny yeah like Spider-Man was always making quips and shit, and I and that's part of comic books. And there's still very serious scenes, but at the same time, these characters are naturally like this. Why wouldn't you portray that on a movie? Yeah, it doesn't have to be everything dark, gloomy, fucking Batman. You know, like fucking Batman v Superman, where it's just serious Batman. And DC, you know, I don't like I said, I don't know much. Of, I know more about the Marvel Marvel comics than I do the DC. I, I would guess the DC ones are probably more serious in nature, like the comic books themselves. And again, I don't even know that. I'm sure they have room for comedy like that, but I I know that Marvel does have you know more of like a. Marvel has Deadpool and Spider Man. And, and Marvel's it's always been more of like a kid brand. You know they've definitely expanded that into like adult. You know there's always been adults that have liked it, but DC has always kind of been more of the like grown up. Yeah. Of the two. And I mean DC has some good animated shows that are kid stuff and everything. Yeah. But I do think when you look at the very serious storylines, a lot of them have to do with DC. It seems like. Yeah. Um, and again, I don't know a lot, but just from what I do know, that's what it feels like. Yeah. And maybe that is us being swayed because we see so much of the comedy and stuff on the movies. Yeah. But 
it just works for me. And even like um, the scene where they're going after the reality stone, the guardians are there and mm-hmm. he has to, he's supposed to kill Gamora. Yeah. And he's like, I will blow that nutsack of a chin right <laughs> off your face. Like that's something that character would say in that situation, despite it being a very serious situation. Yeah. Like, and it works and you get a little laugh out of it and then it just keeps going. Yeah. I don't know. Staying, it's staying true, you know, to like the nature of the stories, the nature of the source material, I should say. Um, so I've I've never had a problem with it. I don't understand. I think it makes the movie so much more enjoyable. And I mean, arguably the best DC movie is the funniest Shazam. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I think comedy works for movies. That I think there are stories like you look at the Joker. Yeah, that is a good film, and it's dark, and that that, that works. I don't enjoy that movie. I don't want to rewatch it. <laughs> movie's fucking brutal well, to get through even when you do something you know as as so not not superficial I, I can't think of the word but so unrealistic as like a superhero movie to try to paint it as so serious like it's just really hard to do the dark knight which is probably the one example of doing it right like we said when we talked about it, it was very based in reality it was a very you know yeah there was some stuff that's like okay that wouldn't happen in real life but it was still a movie that was you know based in reality where you have a movie like shazam and a guy getting magical powers from you know this sorcerer that calls on him or whatever like you can't take taking yourself that, too serious yeah exactly you know same thing with like superman like just taking yourself like you know what i mean you gotta yeah. kind of lean into it a little bit and even in the dark knight when we talk about that movie there's the scene where the joker's like i can make this pencil disappear and he fucking slams the dude's head yeah. that's kind of funny <laughs> it's very brutal and dark but it's like oh shit he made the pencil disappear <laughs> um there's the scene where um the Joker will like pay for the someone to kill the guy who's going to reveal Batman's identity. And like, there's the police escort. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, they're supposed to go to a hospital or something and Batman fucking cuts in front of him. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, Oh, do you not watch TV? He's like, Oh, what do you mean? What's going on? Like he has no fucking clue. Like that's <laughs> kind of funny. Like, yeah. you know, and so there is points where it's worth it to make a little bit of humor. Not everything yeah. has to be serious. Marvel goes above and beyond with that, but I think that's because of their characters. Yeah. It's for, a pur- it's for a purpose. I agree. Ty. And I enjoy it. Me too. 19 for key elements. Characters, Jason. I gave this a 19. Did you really? Yeah. Okay. What'd you give it? So I said 20 was the easiest for 1917 for cinematography. It was the easiest 20 I've ever given. Yeah. That's right there for this, for 20 for characters. I had a feeling you were going to do that. So I just, you know, Thanos, fantastic in this movie i've talked about multiple times on this podcast how much i love what josh brolin did with this even though you know he is in a mocap soup so he still did the work damn it um just the way they told that character how it's being his movie he's like a he's a villain but he's almost an anti-hero but he has no reason to be an anti-hero like he's literally the bad guy but for some reason i kind of find myself rooting for him and i kind of wish that not really rooting for him but i i, I would wish that he would be in more marvel movies and it sucks because obviously he's not going to be um that's fantastic. Uh, all the characters, you know, interwoven perfectly. Everything's great. It would be a 20 out of 20. The one thing that still pisses me off to this day, and you probably know it's coming, I just don't like what they did with Hulk. I'm sorry. And I know they did it for a purpose. I just hate it personally. I don't like the Hulk part, but we get a good Hulk scene at the beginning. I fucking hate Professor Hulk in Endgame. Even, I don't even know if I like the Hulk scene in the beginning because he gets his ass kicked. But he jumps out and fucks him up for a second, and then it's like, oh, shit. He should have He should have got a redeeming scene. Absolutely agree. You know what I mean? Like how Thor got the whole stabbing him in the, you know, Thor got the stabbing him in the heart instead of the head, right? Is that what happened? Yeah, he stabs him in the chest and he instead said he should have yeah. for the head. I, okay. <laughs> for some reason in my head, I thought he stabbed him in the head, but then that wouldn't make sense. <laughs> you know, and then you have the whole Wanda destroying the, 
the vision stone and then him re- reversing it with the time stone. Like they should have gave Hulk that same kind of little moral victory where he finally got a one up over Thanos. Even if it would have came, if it would have came an end game, it probably would have improved the character score in infinity war. The bullshit thing in end game is he's the one who brings everyone back with a snap, which I don't, I don't know. That's what they tried doing where, Oh, he beat Thanos. He brought everyone back. No, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't like what they did. With, I, yeah. I just kind of forgot that happened. That's how much I didn't like it. I don't like what they've done with did with Hulk at all in these two movies, but I think Endgame's Hulk is much, much, much worse than it is Infinity War. But I still got to knock a point for how they handled it. If he would have got even, like I said, even if it was in Endgame, if he would have got his redeeming thing, <laughs> even if it's that final fight scene, he just like kicks Thanos' ass for like five minutes and doesn't get beat up, you know, like just gets pulled away from whatever reason. Like I would have been like, all right, cool, fine, whatever. But no, they butchered that character, and for that, I'm giving it a 19. It makes me mad. That's fine. I I like the Hulk scene at the beginning. Um, I think it's a perfect scene to show that Hulk's still a badass and kind of fucks him up, and then it's Thanos is the new guy. That's fine, as long as Hulk would have got his revenge. I think they should have done that. I, I agree. But oh, maybe God. maybe for plot story oh, for that. Oh God, my I still foot, like, my foot stuck. Okay, I'm good. I still like the characters. <laughs> Thanos, so I said I was doing research and shit. Yeah. There's a breakdown on, there's a YouTube video basically breaking down how it is the perfect villain. Mm-hmm. And so you look at it, and it starts off where he's this asshole, and he's just fucking killing everybody on the ship. Yeah. And he fucks up Hulk, and he fucking kills Heimdall, kills Loki. Yeah. Blows up Thor's ship, and he's just on his way. Yeah. And then, so immediately, you're like, yeah, fuck this guy. Yeah. (laughs) And then it goes to the flashback, and it shows the heart part of him, where he's doing this thing, and he's wiping out, you know, he's basically committing genocide, and he's the leader of it. (laughs) But, (laughs) heavy but... There's this girl, and he sees that she has the fight to him, and he's like, well, come here. Like, you know, I'm not going to – he's not a complete monster. It shows that he has heart, and he starts to care for this child and take care of this child. And he shows her, like, hey, there's a reason that I'm doing this. Like, look at this knife. Everything – there's a reason for everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then you get the scenes where he gets Gamora, and he's talking to Gamora and Nebula, and he's like, you know, I raised you. I trained you. And he's like – she's like, this isn't the way to do it. And he was like, this is the only way to do it. I'm the only one who knows that this is what has to be done. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm going to do this, and people are going to be grateful for it. He truly believes in what he's doing. Yeah. And when you look at it, it starts off where it's like, oh, fuck this guy. And then you look, and you're like, oh, he's not so bad. Oh, he's not so bad. And then the scene where he has to kill Gamora, he's fucking crying. Yeah. You know, and why would the villain who's achieving his goal be heartbroken over what he's doing? Yeah. And it creates this thing where it sucks, but you feel for the guy where it's almost like he's forced to do this. Like he's a prisoner. And is of his own mind. Yeah. He's not the only one cursed with knowledge. Exactly. (laughs) And it's just, it's so perfect where it's like, this guy's an asshole. And then it transitions to where it's like, you almost feel for him. And he's like, this is what I have to do. Yep. And like. So there's the scene where, but when he takes Gamora, he like uses the reality stone to stop Drax and Mantis. Yeah. And then when he leaves, they come back together. He doesn't kill them. He doesn't yeah. kill anyone he doesn't have to kill. Yeah. He's like, if I achieve this, like everything I want to be done is going to be done. Mm-hmm. You know? And so throughout the whole thing, like he, he probably could have just fucking killed people <laughs> a lot easier if he has yeah. all that fucking, you know, power or whatever. And so you feel for him because he's just doing what he has to do to achieve his end goal. Yeah. And it's an incredible fucking villain. Well, they even carry that on. This isn't this movie, but they carry that on even in Endgame, you know, where they the whole reason they find him is because he destroys the stones. And he's like, I achieved my mission. Like He gave up the only way to defend himself just to make sure what he did stayed. And he didn't care if he like he could have fought back in that final scene and, and not that final scene, but in that one scene in Endgame. And he kind of just like took took the L. He knew he was going to die. Um, 
he wanted to accomplish his one thing. He destroyed the stones because he said, you know, it would be, what did he say? It was just going to be greedy at that point or whatever. Having the stones with no mission would have just or something. He, just he had didn't some saying. Want any way to get rid of it, yeah. But he had some saying, so he got mm-hmm. he used them to get rid of them. But yeah, man, it was incredible. And then but, you, to have him win at the end, and then he wins and goes into like that other realm or whatever with the little girl Gamora. Yeah, it's like what did it cost you? Everything. Yeah. Like it shows he gave up everything. Or when uh, when the dude who took Doctor Strange dies in space and he meets him on Titan, he's like, "Well, I'm assuming he died." And yeah. like this day extracts a heavy toll. Mm-hmm. It's like it cost him everything to do this. Yeah. And so you feel for the villain. And he's the main character and it's his story and he succeeds at the end, which is fucking wild. Yeah. Whether you know there's another movie coming, whether you know they're going to undo it, you look at just this movie and just his story. He wins. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. But they fucked up Hulk. They guy. did fuck up Hulk. But I, I will <laughs> give them they minus one Hulk point for Hulk plus two for Thanos. <laughs> Hulk's my second favorite superhero. I just can't. I can't get over it. I love the get over it. I love the Guardians in this. I love Captain America and their part in this. Would have liked more Black Panther, but it is what it is. Yeah, he kind of was thrown to the sideline. Even in Endgame, he wasn't really. So the thing is, is they recorded these movies at the same time. They didn't know Black Panther was going to be a billion dollar movie. Yeah, they weren't going to heavily rely on him in a storyline that was already created before they knew how successful he was. So he was there. Yeah. They knew he was going to be introduced and he was going to play a role. If they would have waited, I'm like, oh, shit. People like him. Yeah. He would have got a bigger role. Would they have kept him alive for Endgame? Mm, probably not. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> I think it works with him going. But easily 20 for me for characters. And uh, enjoyment. I give it a 19. Easily a 20. Not a 20. I, if I could have given it a 19.5, I would have, but... I, we've never done a half point in any of these scales, so I didn't think that was allowed, so I just left it at 19. Yeah, no no half points. Anchorman got the only 20 for enjoyment out of me. <laughs> Wait, what takes away the half point? Oh, honestly, the way I look at enjoyment, I, I don't know. I look, the, I look at Anchorman being probably the most enjoyed movie of my life, so it's 20, and I just feel like none of these other movies I could – you know me. I don't like rewatching movies, okay? Out of all four of these movies, I was definitely the most okay with rewatching Anchorman. Even Infinity War, it would take me a little bit convincing to turn it on. I I just don't like watching movies more at home. You put me in a cinematic experience, an environment, I'll watch it all day, every day. Our girlfriends are laughing they're, very they're loud. Giggling. Um, but I don't know. It's something about watching movies at home. I've never been a fan of watching movies at home. I don't know why. I've watched this movie so many fucking times. It's not even funny. I'll watch movies at other people's house. You invite me over to your apartment to watch movies? Hey, I'll probably watch them. I'll have no problem. Is that what I should have done to get you to rewatch these? <laughs> watch them you together. Over? I was um, thinking about actually getting some like movie theater style seats and putting them in this room somewhere and then trying to get like a projector on that wall. I don't know if that wall's big enough. You'd have to move some signs. Like the, the poster things. Uh, that's a lot of work. Why not just play it on a TV? Because I wanted like set up projector. I think is usually used for when it's going to be bigger than a TV. Well, because I I wanted to like set them up in here, somehow. You should mount a TV to the wall right there. Yeah, but then I need to buy another TV. <laughs> Why don't you just mount that TV to the wall right there? Because that's a small one. <laughs> All right. What was your final score, Jason? So my final score was the it was the highest of the four. Anchorman was the second highest for me, but this one was the highest. Give it a ninety-five. Hmm. I gave it a 97 and looking at it 
I almost had it as a 98. Um, I dropped the key elements down just to the 19 at the last second. And I, it's absolutely deserving. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something. Like, oh, maybe I graded it too high. <laughs> it's, I, I 100% love this fucking movie. You said it was a 95? Yeah, overall. 90. No, 96 overall. I got a 95. Okay, 96 overall. I, It's a fucking great movie, dude. It's a great movie. Which, it's just Anchorman, 91.5. Wally, 92. 1917, 92.5. The fourth, third, and second place all were within one point. We're splitting hairs. Infinity War, three and a half points higher. Easily the highest movie we've ever reviewed. Yeah, it's something, man. It's top star list, and I, if we're being honest, I saw it coming. <laughs> I didn't. And I, I, really I didn't. genuinely was genuine with all these scores. I thought Anchorman was going to win. I mean, I gave it seven points higher than Anchorman. That's wow. <laughs> and I think that's fair. I really enjoy Anchorman, but I, Infinity War, I thoroughly enjoy and think it is an incredible movie. And I still don't understand how it was such a low fucking critic score. I don't know either. I don't know. Blows me away. We've we've talked about it multiple times. I've read you multiple uh, multiple reviews multiple times. So uh, Joe Russo, Anthony Russo, if you would like to call into Within the Lines to accept your Within the Lines Greatest Movie of All Time award, just uh, let us know. <laughs> um, congratulations. It is the most prestigious honor in cinema. So... If we were technically looking at the bracket as a as a full bracket, Infinity War beat Anchorman. 1917 yeah. beat Wally, and Infinity War wins it. Wow. What was it? It was a 14th seed, I want to say. It was. 14th out of 16 comic book movies. And it just wins the entire thing. Wild. Wild, 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 Tyler stand by it bro this was fun i enjoyed doing this bracket it was it was very fun it was five weeks of talking movies keeping our mind off of terrible shit yeah and just uh just having a good time with no sports to be talked about yeah it was fun we got to think of stuff to do in the future now yeah i don't know if you guys want to hear us talk about shit you should let us know yeah, we already got some ideas queued up for the following weeks, but uh, there's a possibility that we could run out of some. Yeah, we got, we're going to do maybe some lists, maybe talk about some things you guys can watch at home. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Think about shit. We'll think about shit. We'll, have some good, we'll still have some good episodes after this. Think about shit. We'll think about shit. <laughs> Words of wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> you got anything else, Ty? I got nothing else. This is fun. My voice kind of cracked there, but it's all right. Um, Infinity War, greatest movie of all time. Can't believe it. Winner of the 2020 March Movie Madness bracket. Will it win 2021, Jay? I don't think we're going to do the same thing. I was actually looking at our episodes, and last year we did our a video game bracket. I don't even remember doing that. I think we just picked 16 movies, and it was a one-episode thing. So we're we're moving up. Maybe Maybe it's sports-related next year. We did video games. This year we did movies. Next year we got to do some sort of sports bracket. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see what we do. It's a year from now. Hopefully uh the world still exists. I think we'll be alright. Hopefully we're both still here, Ty. I'm sure there's there'll be a couple million people still listen to us. A couple million. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. All right. Uh, be good friend, everybody. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.